If you would please take your Bible and find the, the book of Psalms. Psalm 84 this morning will be our text. And while you're finding that, let me say how thankful I am for the opportunity to be back here at Harvest. Man, what a, what a crowd you have for a summer Sunday. Apparently, most churches go through a summer slump. I think you guys are in a summer uh, increase here. That is tremendous. What a crowd you have here. And I'm honored to be a part of the service this morning. We had a great time at the couples retreat. Thankful for the opportunity to get to know a number of you that were part of that, that couples retreat. And just the th- thankful for your pastor and for his fellowship, his friendship. Thankful for Brother Charles. We pray for David as well. Um, I think he's in junior church right now where he belongs. And, uh, Uh, just so grateful for your entire church staff, Brother Utley enjoyed your Sunday school lesson this morning. So grateful for the opportunity to be here with you, you dear friends, together. My purpose is to preach this morning, so let's dive deep into the Word of God in Psalm 84. When you study the Psalms, you're going to find that there are a series of songs. The Psalms are really the hymnal of the Old Testament. When you come to Psalm 84, it is the psalm of a journal of a traveler pursuing the opportunity to worship God in Jerusalem. Every Jewish male during Bible times was required to go to the temple at least three times per year. With great desire, they would uh, cross the deepest deserts and the highest mountains coming from the east, from the north, from the south to go to the place of honor, the place of worship there in Jerusalem. Psalm 84 is a journal of that traveler. And you're going to notice that the psalm is divided into three stanzas. It's really easy to see how this psalm, this Old Testament song, is divided into the stanzas because each stanza includes the word blessed, verse 4, verse 5, and verse 12. The first stanza is found in verses 1 through 4 and deals with the anticipation of the journey, the journey to Jerusalem. How amiable, verse 1 says, are thy tabernacles. With anticipation, the psalmist says, I look forward to being in your presence again. Verse 2, my soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. Verse 4, our key word, blessed. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. That's the anticipation of the journey in verses 1 through 4, but it concludes with the uh, arrival in the journey, the joy of arrival in Psalm 84 verse 12 where the psalmist says, O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. In retrospect, the psalmist looks back and he says, I anticipated, but now I've arrived. And I recognize that as I went on this journey, I trusted you. I trusted you to get me from point A to point B. But the longest stanza of the three stanzas found in Psalm 84 is the the verses of Psalm uh, 84 verses 5 through 11. It's the stanza that deals with the actual journey. Not anticipation, not arrival, but the actual journey that takes place. And quite honestly, the hardest part in the journey of life is not anticipation, The hardest part in the journey of the Christian life is not arrival, it's the actual journey. I want us today to look at that second stanza for just a moment, where the Bible says in Psalm 84, verse number 5, Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, and whose heart are the ways of them, who passing through the valley of Baca make it a well, 
and the rain also filleth the pools. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in design appeareth before God. Notice that the believer who faces adversity in the journey is blessed with strength, and their blessing of strength comes from the Lord. Now, there's an interesting phrase. When, when you look at uh, uh, verse number 7, the Bible says they go from strength to strength. I, I considered that as I was studying this psalm over and over again, and I began to realize that that's just the, the reality of our human frailty. What the psalmist is saying is this, they go as far as they can in the strength that they have till they cannot go any further and they stop and they rest until they regain their strength. And they resume the journey and they go as far as they can, as far as they can until they have to rest and then they rest and they go again. Boy, isn't that the picture of our life today? Some of you are here this morning and you are weary and you are tired and God is saying to you in this moment, in this time, it's okay to rest. It is okay for you to regain your strength, but you cannot just rest and never move again. You move from strength to strength. You gain strength so that you can move yet again. Every one of us who are here today are in different places of the journey. Some are here this morning filled with anticipation. You're looking forward to the next step. The young folks that are present are looking forward to the next level of life, graduating high school, graduating college, getting that job, moving up in your career. There are others that are here that are on the backside of the journey, looking back, seeing all the things that God has done. But regardless of where you are in the journey, learn the lesson of the psalmist. You journey from strength to strength. Because there will be obstacles in your life. There will be difficulties that hold you back that will sap your strength and requires that you rest in him. The truth of the matter is this, that problems are part of our life. The Bible teaches us that problems are unavoidable. Job 14 verse 1 says that man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Let me ask you a question. How many of you were born of a woman this morning? Would you raise your hand? That's every one of us. We qualify. We are born of a woman and we have a few days on this earth and those days that are here are full of trouble. Troubles are often unavoidable. Troubles are often unselective. The Bible says, Jesus says in Matthew 5 verse number 45, the Lord sends the rain on the just and the unjust. Here's an interesting statistic. Cancer comes to the home of a Christian just as much as it does to the non-Christian. Problems within the family often comes to the home of a Christian just as much as to the family that's a non-believer. Problems and troubles are unavoidable. Problems and troubles are unselective. But problems and troubles are often unexplained. The Bible says in Romans 11 verse number 3 that his ways are past finding out. The secret things belong unto the Lord, the book of Deuteronomy says. There are some things that in this life that we will face that we just simply do not understand. The problems that we face that sap our strength are unavoidable, unselective, and unexplained. So what do you do when you're overwhelmed and weary from the challenges of life? How do you go forward from strength to strength? Well, Psalm 84 provides for us four principles on how to go forward from strength to strength in the journey. I'll make a promise to you this morning. If you'll listen quickly, I'll preach quickly. Can I have an amen right there? Here's the first principle. The pilgrimage principle. Remember, your troubles are temporary. The pilgrimage principle. Remember, your troubles 
are temporary. The Bible says in Psalm 84, verse number 5, Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, and in whose heart are the ways of them. Do you see this in your Bible? Look again, Psalm 84 and verse number 5. You're going to notice there's some words that are in italics. The word is, the words are, and the words of them. Those words are supplied by the translators to smooth it out in our English translation. But when you read the original Hebrew, it gives the idea of this. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, who has a heart for journey, who has a desire to be on the journey, who has a desire to move forward. The strongest understanding would be this, who have set their heart for pilgrimage. And notice what the Bible says. As they set their heart for pilgrimage, verse 6 says, they are passing through the valley of Baca. Now you say, Dr. Lands, where is the valley of Baca? I'm going to open my Bible in the back and look at the maps and find the valley of Baca. And you can search every map that you can, but you will never find the valley of Baca mentioned on any map. The Valley of Baca was not a place that was a, a place that was a noted geographically. The Valley of Baca, quite honestly, is a nickname for another valley. Uh, the, the word Baca in the Hebrew means tears. And most likely, it was the Valley of Rephraim that was often used when those pilgrims would journey through the mountains down to Jerusalem to be able to worship the Lord one of those three times in the city of Jerusalem. Many scholars believe that the Valley of Rephraim would be that place because the old rabbis recognized that there were balsam trees that were in the Valley of Rephraim. And at certain times of the Rephraim and at certain times of the year, the resin would come from those balsam trees and it would be as if they formed tears on those trees. And the old rabbis would say that in the hard journey of the Jews, they would often even so move the trees of the valley of Rephraim that they would weep for the pilgrim. And the truth is that whether or not that be the case, all of us, whether there is a physical valley of Baca, there are times there is a a spiritual valley of Baca in our lives. A time when we pass through a valley with pitfalls and vipers and challenges and animals in life that cause us to come to a place of extreme hardship and suffering. They pass through the valley of Baca. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said this, that many of God's people find themselves traveling most of the way, of, most of the way to heaven by night. Let's make no mistake about it. The journey that we often find ourselves in is often filled with darkness and with difficulty. But the good news is found in verse number 6 when you see the Bible says they are passing through the valley of Baca. They're not staying there. They're not placing residence there. They're not building homes there. The Bible says they are passing through. I love the word pass, particularly around the time when our college graduates are graduating because there's always some senior who's afraid that they're not going to pass. But by the grace of God and the goodness of their teacher, they pass that class and they march across the, the, the stage and they get their diploma. Why? Because they have passed through. They have gone through the matriculation process to get to the point that they have reached where they need to be. Did you realize there is a phrase in our Bible? Have you heard this phrase? And it came to pass. Say amen if you've heard that phrase. 396 times you can find that in your Bible. And it came to pass. I like what the old preacher used to say. Thank God it didn't come to stay. It came to pass. Can I have an amen right there? And what Psalm 84 verse number 6 is reminding us is this. 
that it did not come to stay. We are not uh, permanent residents of the valley. We are passing through the valley of tears. We are passing through the valley of Baca. We are not vagabonds without a home. We are not fugitives running away from home. We are not strangers away from home, but we are pilgrims who are ultimately headed home. We're just passing through. A number of years ago, my wife and I were traveling we went up to Vermont for, I think it was our 25th anniversary. It'd be five years ago, believe it or not. And we traveled up to Vermont. She loves the Food Network, and there's a restaurant or something she saw there. So, of course, I am a good husband, and we went to that restaurant because it's 25 years. You celebrate by giving your wife what she wants. Can I have an amen from the men right there? <laughs> and the other thing is I love to eat. So it was really a good win for both of us. So we had a wonderful time. We tra- traveled up and we were driving back. And uh, you know as well as I do, when you're celebrating something, you spend all the money on the front end and then you're poor when you come back. And I knew coming back, we needed to stay somewhere in between where we were in um, New England and Parkersburg. So I, I, I got on one of those websites that could get a cheap hotel. And it was, it was one of those hotels, one of those websites, I think it was Priceline or something like that, where you place a bid and you can say, I want a five-star hotel for this amount of money. Well, I thought I'd try it out, and I did. I, I put in, I, want a, I think I said I want a four- or a five-star hotel, and I want to spend no more than 25 bucks. Well, they, they gave me the bid. We, we, we found a hotel in Allentown, Pennsylvania at this particular place. It was supposed to be a five-star hotel for 25 bucks. I was so proud of myself. I mean, beyond my ability to eat, I am cheap. I am tight as pine bark. I, I'm, I was thankful. So we, we were driving back. We were so tired. As we were coming down the, the interstate, you could see the hotel from the interstate. It was a beautiful campus, as you, could, as you would see. We drove onto the parking lot. We, we walked into the, to the atrium of the hotel. It was a beautiful atrium, marble floors, beautiful furniture, flowers. The, the, it, was, it was very, very nice. And uh, so we checked in, and... And uh, the lady gave us our, our, our key card, and uh, she said, you're, on, you're in room 453. That's on the fourth floor. Just walk down the hallway, take the elevator, go up to the top, and then continue walking to the back. You'll find your room there. I thought, man, this is great, 25 bucks. This is, this is amazing. And we began the journey walking down the hallway. And as we started walking down the hallway of the first floor, I began to notice that the carpet was a little bit more worn and a tad bit more dirty than what it was in the atrium. We continued walking down the hallway, and I began to notice the walls were a little dirtier. We got into the elevator to go to the fourth floor, and when the door closed, you had to hold your breath because there was such an odor that was in that elevator. (laughs) Apparently, you've stayed at that hotel as well. (laughs) And when we got off the floor, when the door opened, the, the source of the odor knocked us back. It was so bad. We began walking down the hallway of the fourth floor. And I am not exaggerating when I say that this hotel was in desperate need of a refresh or at least a refurb in that hotel. You could tell it was worn and had been used. And that's why you could get it so cheaply because it was in that transition time. But it gets a little better. We went to the room, 453. I put my key to the tab and the door opened. My wife is behind me pulling a couple of pieces of her luggage. I'm pulling my luggage behind me. And as soon as I open the door and I flip on the light, two cockroaches scurry across the floor. 
Now, my wife didn't see that. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. They, they, they go off to their corner, and she, she walks in very quietly. My, now, my wife is not hard to please. Quite honestly, she is a very, very easy woman to, to, to please and, just, and to, to give her what she wants. She doesn't, have, she doesn't ask for much. So she walks in, and I pull my luggage in, and she starts looking around, doesn't say anything. She walks in and she looks into the bathroom and she says, John, the shower, there's rust stains all over the shower and in the, in the tub and there's a lot of calcium on the, on the faucets and things. And I'm thinking, oh, I, this is not good. And then the mirror is cracked in the, in the bathroom. And, and the water in the toilet is running all the time. So I go in and I try to fix the, you know, you, you jiggle the, the handle to see if the water will stop running. I jiggle the handle and the toilet is kind of bouncing there. <laughs> she continues her inspection and walks through. And as I'm following her, I notice that there are spots in the floor. Someone has just probably spilled coffee or some type of other drink. I don't know what it would be. There's, there's, there's cigarette holes from people smoking in a non-smoking room, by the way, smoking on the furniture and, and dropping ashes. The, there, there's obvious holes in the furniture. Quite honestly, there's a pungent odor in the room. It's kind of a mixture of cheap cologne and body odor. That's a really <laughs> unpleasant smell. And she turns around and looks at me and she says, are we going to stay here? That in the Greek means, we're not going to stay here. <laughs> as cooperative as she is, I am more stubborn than she is because I had spent $25 and I couldn't get my money back. And I said to my dear wife, I said, sweetheart, it's, listen, it's, it's already late in the evening. We will only be here probably eight, ten hours at the most. We'll get up early. We'll head out. Let's just get some sleep. And she very graciously relented. We went to bed slept somewhat fitfully, but that morning when I awakened, as I'm laying on the bed, I opened my eyes, and there are those two cockroaches on my chest. <laughs> now, fortunately, she's still asleep. But I look at those two cockroaches and said, Mr. and Mrs. Cockroach, I don't know where you've been, but I know where you're going, and I ushered them off into eternity for cockroaches. <laughs> now, you say, John, what did you do? What'd you do after that experience? Well, let me tell you what I didn't do. I didn't wake up that morning and grab my cell phone and immediately call to a plumber and say, we need someone to come to room 453 of this particular hotel because there are water stains in the bathtub, there is calcium on the faucets, and the toilet is not stable, and the, it's constantly running. We need someone. I didn't call an upholsterer to say, we need to reupholster everything in this room because of the cigarette burns. I, I didn't call someone from Stanley Steamer to come clean the carpet because of the stains that were there. Why? Because that hotel room was not my home. I was just passing through. And ladies and gentlemen, may I remind you that we as Christians are just pilgrims. And we spend far too much time trying to fix the problems here on this earth that are not our responsibility nor should be our concern because we are pilgrims headed home and we're just passing through. Learn the principle of the pilgrim. Your troubles are temporary. There's just some things you can't fix. 
and you leave them to the Lord and you simply trust him. Here's the second principle, the purpose principle. The purpose principle is this. You choose your experience in the valley. You choose your experience in the valley. Now, notice this again. Psalm 84, verse number 6. Who, passing through the valley of Baca, notice these next two words, make it a well. Did you notice it didn't say who, passing through the valley of Baca, found a well? It does not say they discovered a well. But in the valley of tears... They chose to make it a well. In business, it's when you give your customers a choice to level up to an upgraded experience. You give them the opportunity to move from level one to level two or from level two to level three. Airlines are the best example of that. When you book a flight, everyone goes through the same door and goes to the same destination, but you have different levels of experience on that flight. If you're cheap like me, you buy the economy. And you end up sitting in the back of the plane. Uh, and, and that seat will either be in the lavatory or the luggage compartment because that's, that's what you usually get. You have no refreshments. You generally are the last to get on. There's no assigned seat. You're at the, you're at the mercy of the airline. They will place you wherever they want. It's the basic experience. But you can level up. I fly Delta all the time. You can level up to main cabin. And in main cabin, you can at least select your seat. You're moving up a little bit earlier in the, in the loading process. And if you're really, really good, they may give you a small bottle of water and a little bag of chips while you're on the trip. But then if you're not happy with main cabin, you can move up to the next level. It's called Comfort Plus. They give you an extra two inches in the seat. And when you're a big boy like me, those two inches actually help a little bit. And a little bit more leg room, maybe three inches in leg room. You pay a little bit more, but you get a little bit more space and you get a little bit better experience. But if you're not happy with Comfort Plus, there is first class. And as soon as you get on that, on that plane and sit in your seat, the attendant comes and, may I get you something to drink? Would you like to have something to eat? And from the time the wheels are up to the wheels are down, there's a constant flow of refreshments. The seats are bigger. The air is fresher. You're first on, first off. It is an experience that you choose. Now, here is the point. Everyone goes through the same door and everyone ends at the same destination, but everyone has a different experience. And the same is true in the Christian life. Every one of us come through the the door of Jesus Christ for salvation. Can I have an amen? And when we enter the door of Jesus Christ, we all have the same destination. We have the destination of heaven, but the choice is how are we going to experience the journey in between? There are some of you are here that are living the Christian life in basic bitterness. You're just mad at everybody in the world. There are others others that are just in that mid-tier main experience. But God has called you to take the valley of tears and make it a well. To choose to make it an experience that is different from the other dry valleys that are around in this world. You choose your experience. What do these words have in common? The words hate and love, the words lying and truth, the words friends and enemies, the words negativity and positivity. You're probably saying, well, they have one thing in common. They're the opposite of each other, but that's not the truth. They are the opposite, but the thing that I'm pointing out that they have in common, each has the same letter of words, hate and love, four letters. Lying and truth, five letters. 
friends and enemies, seven letters. Negativity, positivity, ten letters. And the same number of letters in the word have different meanings which are opposite. But you choose the word that you use to describe your life. And it makes all of the difference. All of us have broken relationships in our life. All of us have experienced financial hardship. All of us have found ourselves in health reversals and family issues. But what do you do in that valley? Do you sit down and complain and cry? Do you criticize? Do you beat down everyone else because of your experience? Or do you choose to say, I'm not going to stay in the basic bitterness of this valley. I'm going to move forward to the main cabin, to the comfort plus. I'm going to go to my final destination with the choice of an experience that is first class. You choose to make that dry valley a well. Let me let you in on a secret as to why you need to dig a well. Why you need to choose to make that a well because I want to tell you something. In the Christian life, not only will you go through that valley one time, there's a good likelihood you'll go through it again. And when you go through that valley a second time, you'll know where the well is. And even more so than that, when you go through that valley there, and you dig that well, you choose to make that valley a well, there will be someone who comes behind you who needs that well as well. And you can say to them, listen, I've been where you are. I've, done, I've gone through what you've gone through. I've done what you have done. There is a well that you can find and joy in that valley. All of our sorrows are often designed for not only our benefit, but for the benefit of others. Well, my time is moving on. The pilgrimage principle. Remember, troubles are temporary. The purpose principle. You choose your experience in the valley. Here's the third principle, the provision principle. God meets our needs at just the right time. Are you with me still in Psalm 84? Say amen if you're there. Psalm 84, look again if you would please at verse number 6. Who passing through the valley of Baca make it a well. Notice this next phrase. And the rain also filleth the pools. Now notice he just said that they made it a well. They dug a well in the valley. That comes from within, but the rain filleth the pools. That comes from above. The word rain that is used in the Hebrew there is used three times in the Old Testament. Two other times it is found in the book of Joel, referring to the former rain versus the latter rain. It is that first rain of the morning. It is the provision of God in giving what is needed at just the right time. And in the Christian life, when you choose the right experience and you say, I'm going to make this a well, God will do his part. He will bless you. That word pools that is used there, look it up in your Strong's Concordance. It's translated 61 times blessing. God will bless you with refreshment at just the right time in the morning. Did you realize that God does his greatest work in the morning? Exodus says that when God provided the manna, he gave fresh manna every morning. Psalm 143, verse number 8 says, Hear his loving kindness in the morning. Lamentations 3, verse 23, His mercies are new every morning. Psalm 30, verse number 3, Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. God does his greatest work in the morning and at just the right time as you pass through the valley. When your strength is almost gone, he provides exactly what is needed. The pilgrimage principle, remember troubles are temporary. The purpose principle, you choose your experience in the valley. The provision principle, God meets our needs at just the right time. Here's the fourth and final principle, the promise principle. God will bless you as you trust him on your journey. Do you remember that last stanza in Psalm 84 verse 12? O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. 
Some of you are here today and you can look back on your journey and you can say, God has brought me from places I never thought I would be able to come from. He has taken me through things I never thought I would survive. Blessed is the man who trusts in thee. A few years ago, I was flying back, flying to Israel with a group of folks from Parkersburg. We had taken a tour of Israel together. And as we're flying over, I received an iMessage on my phone because we had Wi-Fi on the flight. And with iMessages or Wi-Fi based, I received an iMessage from my wife that told me a young man in our church had passed away unexpectedly. He had struggled with epilepsy for a number of years, and we later found out that as a result of just going to, to, to lay down to take a nap one afternoon, he had, as he was sleeping, had had a seizure, and as a result, he suffocated in his, in, in his sleep, and his life was taken. My, my, my mind was completely shocked when I heard that just that Sunday before I had talked to him and joked with him, laughed with him. His dad was a deacon in our church at that time, and my heart was completely broken when I had heard about this young man that had passed away. And there was no doubt by his evident testimony of faith that he had gone home to be with the Lord, but there is still something about that time when a young person aged 19 passes away. As a friend and a pastor to the family, my heart was breaking for them, and I knew that where I belonged was not in Israel, but back with my church family. But my problem is I'm over the middle of the Atlantic Ocean at the time. So I, I texted my wife and I said, call and get a hold of, uh, uh, of Carl and Tracy and tell them that as soon as I can get back, I will get back. And we got to Tel Aviv and as soon as we landed, I, I talked to the group and I said, this is what's happened. And, and they were devastated as well. They, they knew the family and their heart was breaking and they understood. They said, Pastor, you need to be back. We'll be fine. We had a, a fellow in our church who had been on trips with us before and he began to host the trip in my place. My problem was when we arrived into Tel Aviv, it was 9 o'clock at night and the next flight was to leave out at 6 a.m. the next morning. So I, I talked to the travel agent there at the, at, the, at, the, at the airport and they said, we'll get you on that flight. We understand there's a need, there's an emergency. Don't worry about that. But why don't you do this? Why don't you go to your hotel for the evening, get a bite to eat, get a little bit of rest, and then we'll make sure that you get back here so you can take this flight. And that's what we did. Drove to the hotel, had some dinner with the, our church family there. Went to bed that evening as soon as we were finished eating, and quite honestly, I didn't get a whole lot of sleep. I don't know if it was the fact that there was a time change difference or it was my heart was heavy for the family. It was probably a lot of both. But I do remember when I awakened in, the, in that night from that fitful sleep, I went out on the balcony of that hotel and was looking out and looking at the stars and just was questioning God, God, why? Why would you take an 18-year-old, 19-year-old young man and then my mind began to think about everyone else in our church family that had gone through some difficulty. There had been a lot of death in our church family at that time. There had been a lot of had struggles within their homes and within their, within their businesses financially, things that were happening. And I just kept asking God, why? The time came that I had to get into the car. The, they had called me an Uber to pick me up, and I was supposed to meet that Uber at roughly 3.30 in the morning. So I went downstairs with all of my luggage into the lobby of that hotel. There was not a soul in that lobby. There was not someone at the desk. I went out into the front, uh, front area of that, and I looked for the Uber car to come. And as soon as I, I, I saw the car pull up, I looked on the app, and I could tell by the license plate and by the picture that this was my driver. My driver's name, there's two things I remember about the, this this experience and taking an Uber in the middle of Israel. Number one, the driver's name was Du, D-U. That in and of itself was unique to me. The second thing was this, that Du loved American music. 
Now, if you don't know this, I am from East Tennessee. I am the biggest UT volunteer fan. And apparently, Dew's favorite song as he was playing it when I got in the car was Sweet Home Alabama. (laughs) I had experienced Middle Eastern terrorism like no one else had at that point. (laughs) And I remember as we were driving through the darkness of Israel and I'm staring out the window looking up into into the stars, listening to all types of music, I'm asking God why. God, you brought me all the way over here just to get me back on a plane, to go back to a family that's broken, and they're grieving far greater than I am in my frustration in this moment. Why, Lord? What in the world are you doing, God? Finally got to the airport, went through the maze of security. You think security is bad in the United States? Go through Israeli security. Three layers, and they profile. They ask questions. They, they interrogate. Made it through that. Finally got to the plane, that final layer of security, got on the plane, sat down. As soon as I sat down, the the captain came on and said, listen, we're getting ready to take off for our 13-hour flight. Just sit back and relax. Probably won't have a lot of turbulence, maybe a little bit over the area of Iceland, but it shouldn't be anything of concern. I'll tell you to turn your seatbelt on or put your seatbelt on if it's necessary. But most importantly, rest and relax, and everything will be fine on this journey. And I, I just laid back, and I went to sleep. Flew into Cleveland, Ohio. I left early in the morning in, in Israel and arrived into Cleveland roughly at about 11 p.m. that same day. As I arrived into Cleveland, church staff was to pick me up the next morning, so I had to take a taxi to a hotel to try to get a little bit of sleep, and they were picking me up the next morning. I went out and I held a taxi, and uh, he pulled up. I, I, I got in the taxi, placed my luggage in the back, and, and he, he took me to my hotel. Went to the hotel, tried to sleep. I don't know if it was the stress. I don't know if it was the time change, but I did not sleep. And again, about 3, 30, 4 o'clock in the morning, I awakened. And as I awakened... I began to say, God, what in the world are you doing? Why? Why, why, would you, why would you put this family through this in this moment? Why would you take a young man at his prime? All of those questions, why? And a scripture came to my mind that convicted me. It was the Lord who brought the scripture to my mind, I have no doubt. It's a scripture that I had had marked in my Bible and you probably have as well. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not into thine own understanding. And in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. As I was reading that familiar verse, a convicting thought hit me. I had trusted a Palestinian Uber driver I had never met before who I didn't even know was authorized to drive me other than the fact there was a piece of technology that had his picture on it and his license number on it. And I allowed him to take me from where I was in Israel to the airport. I I had trusted a pilot who I had never seen, who just was a voice over a speaker to say, everything will be all right, you just lay back and go to sleep and I'll get you to where you need to be in the United States. I hopped into a cab in the middle of the night in a a pretty rough section of Cleveland, quite honestly. And I didn't bother to say to the driver of that cab, may I see your license? Can I see your carriage license? Who who do you work for? I just threw my luggage in and, and took the journey. And it was as if the Holy Spirit said to me, 
You have trusted all of these people on the journey, people that you do not know who could have harmed you, who could have taken advantage of you. But you know your heavenly Father, and you have questioned him on every leg of the journey in your life. There are some of you who are here this morning who are doing just that. You trust everything in this earth, but you do not trust the one you can trust the most, and that's your heavenly Father. And perhaps you're going through something right now, and you're saying, God, why? Why, God, am I in the valley of Baca? Why am I in this circumstance? Why am I facing what I am facing? May I remind you that you can trust God in the journey. And that is the blessing of finding strength to strength. That God is good and he refreshes you, he revives you, he recharges you. And allows you to come to the conclusion of your journey where you can say, God is good.